If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Everyone, uh, it's Len May, and welcome to the first show of Everything is Personal. So grateful to have everybody join. I am delighted to have my beautiful, sexy co-host, John Small, here. Welcome, John. Thank you, (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you so much, Len. Uh, It is a pleasure to be here on your first ever episode of Everything is Personal, because everything is personal. I'm delighted to join you. Thank you. Thank you. So everybody knows I'm uh, the CEO and co-founder of a company called Endocana Health. Uh, we primarily do DNA testing and helping people match and find the right cannabinoid profile for them. I've also been in the cannabis space for over 25 years. First of all, as a patient, then as an activist, owner, operator. So, you know, it's sort of uh, in my blood, but I think uh, everybody has cannabis in them, right, John? Uh- you have a little bit more than me, but uh, there's definitely some cannabis left over from last night's um, activities. <laughs> there you go. So I want to really talk about, you know, we, we talk about everything is personal, but I really, really want to drill down into some experiences that maybe you or other people have had with cannabis, either good or bad. I, I find it really fascinating. So one of the reasons why I even got into this space is because I used to see two people with the same exact symptomatic condition take cannabis, the same exact cultivar or strain, and have a completely different experience. Some of them had really good experiences, some of them not so good. So I was wondering, have you ever had a negative experience with cannabis? Yeah, I've definitely had some negative experiences with cannabis that have actually, in a lot of ways, turned me off of cannabis for long periods of time, and then I kind of go back and I want to experiment again. But I think my experience is very much reminiscent of a lot of people's experience with cannabis, um, where they it usually takes place with edibles. Edibles, as you know, Len, are extremely unpredictable and often magnify the feeling of being high of THC. And you can explain why that happens. But let me just tell you what's happened to me. <laughs> I think the first bad experiences I had, or one of the worst experiences I had, was when I was home alone and I was feeling kind of frisky and I had gotten a big bag of chocolate chip edible cookies and I was working from home and everybody was out of the house and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to chill and I'm going to have a chocolate chip cookie. And I I don't remember what it was, the, the ratio, but I basically had two and you probably should have half if you're somebody that me that doesn't have a tolerance for 
chocolate chip cookies. And I ate them, and then I completely forgot that I had eaten them. And I was basically doing something in the kitchen, and all of a sudden it was like this wave came over me. And I think everybody has had this, you know, that's had a bad experience of like suddenly I was extremely high. But I was so high that I didn't even really know what was happening because it was such an overwhelming feeling of my reality being slightly altered that I was, it was almost like I was suddenly dreaming and I didn't know why. And it was a scary feeling. And literally, I would say that happened. And then I had this feeling, oh, I think I might be very, very high right now. And then the doorbell rang. And it was my two kids coming home from school. And my <laughs> wife and my wife was my wife was at work. And I was alone with the kids, high out of my absolute mind and completely responsible for them. They were young at this age. You know, they were like in, the, you know, whatever, 10 and 8 or whatever. And they're, you know, hey, daddy, hey, daddy. And I'm like, pull it together, pull it together, you know, and, and just f- completely freaking out, knowing that I can't call my wife because she'd be so mad at me that I would eat two chocolate chip edibles in the middle <laughs> of the day. And so I'm just pulling it together. And it was it was pretty scary because I was, you know, it really made me have to, like, try to focus. But every time I would try to focus, I would kind of forget why I felt the way I did. And then I would remember. And then at one point I had to make the kids dinner. And I was just like, okay, you are now lifting the tray. You are putting it into the oven. I had to like tell myself what I was doing. They had no idea. And I I can't wait to tell them the story when they grow up because they'll be like, that's funny. But, you know, I was able to pull it off, but it was scary. And it would, I really felt out of control and I felt like I couldn't drive. You know, it was actually not a great situation to be in. If anything had ever happened to the kids, I was really out of my mind high. And that scared me. So after that, I didn't want to touch THC for like a year, even though I work at Green Entrepreneur Magazine and write about pot all day. And I, you know, I'll take my CBD products, but I was really scared. And then I went back and the lesson of start low, go slow was obviously not learned that day. (laughs) And I just got cocky, ate stocky, I don't know. But, um, (laughs) but anyway, so what happened to me that day? So first of all, your liver converts THC to a complete different substance. It's 11 oxyhydroxide tetra delta nine tetrahydrocannabinol, which is a lot stronger than THC, which is the active ingredient in cannabis that makes you high. So it's stronger, it's a slower onset, and you could be a poor metabolizer. So if you're a poor metabolizer of THC through the digestive system and you're getting that conversion, so it takes a longer time, but it's much more intense. And then the other thing that happens is we have genes that trigger these anxiety markers, stress. So even if you have that, and you took an edible that made you super high and it triggers some of those other genetic expressions, you're in for a very interesting experience. Some people get psychosis. Like I had a friend of mine that called two weeks ago. She's like, my roommate flipped out. She actually had a psychotic episode. Yeah. Like, what happened? She smoked weed and that was it. And she just had a psychotic episode and triggered that. So you got to be careful with edibles. It's a completely different experience than you know smoking a joint or something like that. Yeah, that's because you're not metabolizing it through your liver, and I know that's clear. And I did take something recently. I did a tincture, a very strong tincture, my other bad experience, and it was like a very high THC to CBD tincture. I took it under my tongue before I went to bed. I slept for about eight hours, and when I woke up, I went to go to the bathroom, and I realized I was completely high. And I felt weird, and I was like, what is wrong? And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm really high right now. And it was very weird to wake up high because usually, you know, even if you're drunk, you go to sleep drunk, you wake up, you're just, you have a hangover. You're not drunk, you know, at least I've never been that way. And that was strange because it was a tincture, 
But you, th I think when I told you about this, you said that I probably swallowed it. And well, even so, I mean, most people don't take tinctures properly anyway. You're supposed to keep it on your tongue and yeah. let it go through your sublingual uh, cavity so it penetrates your blood brain. But most people keep it and then swallow. So it goes to your liver anyway. But, you know, it, there's also a mindset. So I had a friend. Well, I still have a friend. Uh, his name is. <laughs> you do? He's, he's a good friend of mine. I have a friend. <laughs> I, uh, he won't mind that I had him. His name yeah. is Mitch. Growing up, he, he was my roommate, and we always used to, like, we'd smoke uh, weed together, but when we go out, every once in a while, he would have what now is he's a panic attack. We would be in an environment, if there was some friction, or it was loud, there was a lot of people, whatever it was, something would trigger him. He would start sweating, and he would have, like, a panic attack. A lot of it, now that I realize what it is, first of all, you have genetic predispositions. Second of all, that environment can actually trigger that as well. And the third thing is what you're consuming. So is it a tincture of just THC? What is the terpene profile? Because some terpene profiles can actually trigger that expression as well. So it gives you that feeling of stress or anxiety. It provokes it. It wants to give you an up. So it boosts serotonin production. And when you have too much of it, it makes you feel like you're a little bit out of control instead of taking something that's more sedative that makes you sort of uh, relax, like has... Uh, myrcene and linalool and terpenes like that. So terpenes are the essential oil that the plant produces. So it's it's a very complicated thing. You have all these different components, somewhere around 500 in the plant, and then you also have hundreds of thousands, millions of different genes that once that's triggered, that's why it's a personalized experience. So you have to be really aware of what is, and, and by the way, to, to make it really simple for people, your nose knows. Go back to the basics. So if something smells fruity or has this sort of piney smell, usually it's an uplifting cultivar strain. Right. If something smells skunky or diesel that's more sedative. So if you're actually smelling it, if you're getting it in flower, you can kind of guide your own experience that way. Right. Tell us a little bit about your background, cannabis. Like when did you first discover it? How long have you been smoking? Many years, but I think it's going to be helpful if I give you a little bit of a background about myself. I, so I started smoking when I was about 14 or so. I immigrated to this country from, I was born in Lithuania. Oh, really? So my okay. parents, yeah, my parents, old Soviet Union and really, really old school. They had no idea the difference between cannabis and heroin. So I was, uh, I was diagnosed with ADD when I was in my teens and they tried to put me on all kinds of medication. And I was hanging out with some older kids and we started dabbling in smoking cigarettes. I'm like, okay. So I was going to class and they said, hey, you want to go out and smoke a little bit before class? I said, yeah, sure. So we're in the woods next to my school and there's one cigarette that's getting passed around. So I got one cigarette and it's getting passed to me. So I got that cigarette. I took a, you know, a drag of it. I'm like, wait, it doesn't taste like a cigarette that I had before. And they were laughing. I started coughing and they're laughing at me. But what happened when I went back to class, I had, my ADD is a bunch of different windows that are open in my head all the time. And this actually made me narrow those windows and bring them in. And I could focus for the first time. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I started trying to find, you know, I, anyway, the, the, the cigarette was loaded with, with weed, whatever weed they had. 
nickel bags with stems and seeds, whatever we would buy back in the day. But that was really my go-to medicine. And over the years, my parents would catch me all the time. And I would smoke out my window in my room and I would sneak it with friends. And my parents were just not happy about that. And over the time, getting caught, when I was, uh, my dad had a conversation with me and said, that's it. I don't want you to ever do this. I said, this is my medicine. I'm going to do it anyway. He said, don't bring it to my house. So, okay, I won't bring it to your house. I'm skipping ahead a bunch, but this is a really interesting part of the story. When I was about 18 or so, 17, 18, I used to have fake ID. So we used to go clubbing all the time. We'd go out to, uh, my, my ID said I was 24 or some of that. And uh, so I would go out clubbing and we'd come home early in the morning, three o'clock or whatever, and we'd go fishing, my friends, until nine, 10 o'clock in the morning, come home, and I would sleep half the day. And one morning I wake up, or not morning, afternoon, late afternoon, I wake up, and my parents are sitting there on the kitchen table, and they have my little pouch. And my pouch in my car, I had some weed, I had bowls, I had all my like weed-related stuff. And they have it on, on their kitchen table. I was like, what's this? You guys went to my car. And my dad's like, well, I told you not to bring this in the house. I said, I didn't bring it in the house. It was in my car. I was like, oh, well, it's on my property. So it was this whole back and forth for many hours, if I can remember. And uh, long story even longer, my parents are like, well, what if we call the cops? I'm like, call the fucking cops. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Jesus. So, so they did. They called the cops. Wow. Your parents so called had, the cops on you. Yep, for weed. So Two they were tough, old-school Lithuanian. Yeah, my, my dad was born in Belarus, so he's Belarusian, and uh-huh. my mom was born in Lithuania. So old-school yeah. Soviet Union-type yeah. you know, parents. Cops came, two female police officers. and they were, were they like, hot? Oh. <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they, were, they were not hot. Oh, sorry. I, was, I thought this was the beginning of a... <laughs> Of a different kind let's, of let's, podcast. Maybe it's a different story, yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Now now that I look back, they were so hot, and I didn't believe it would want to. <laughs> right, right. They were very manly, and they, and they were very mean. They were like, oh, you know, we're going to take you in, and we're going to lock you up. I'm like, okay, I have under 28 grams of misdemeanor. I'll sign myself out and all this stuff. And uh, they were like, yeah, he's a smart ass. If it was my kid, I would just kick him to the curb. And they threw out my weed and my bowls, and my dad said you have five minutes to get your shit mm. so i was able to go upstairs i literally had five minutes i threw clothes in a suitcase and he literally kicked me out the door wow like fizzy with his foot with his foot wow so i had a little bit of money like 500 dollars to my name suitcase of clothes and a car and i ended up like uh 15 a night motel rooms and couch surf for a little while hung out with my girlfriend And uh, yeah, that was kind of the start of me getting my shit together. But the irony of this whole thing is my parents both take formulations that actually create and and help for, you know, whatever conditions they have now. So they came full circle to actually supporting what I do. Took years and years and years of trying to educate them that this is a therapeutic wellness product. It's uh, a plant that's kind of my background story. So going back to your question, did I ever have a bad experience? I had an experience once that was very, very intense. 
I was at a dab bar, my first time at a dab bar. Dabs are concentrates that people take. Like- it looks like you're actually doing drugs, if anybody has any seen it. It's like this glass bong looking thing. And then you have to put a concentrated form of cannabis, which is an oil that comes to the planet's at least three times as strong as, you know, flour. So you put it into this bong glass pipe looking thing and you torch it with a blowtorch and you take a hit. When I took my first dab hit, all the receptors were like, whoa, it blew my mind completely. My heart started racing. Yeah. And I was just that's the way I feel. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, what is this? And then I sort of talked myself down. I said, okay, this is cannabis. Nothing's going to happen to me. I just took too much. So what do I do? I just drink some water and chill. And after I relaxed and then took my second hit. <laughs> See, that's the difference <laughs> between that- us. I didn't take my second hit. That might be my genetic makeup. Like when other times that I've gotten too high, just talking myself into be, you know, that I'm going to be okay. This is fine. This feeling is going to go away eventually. It's not going to last forever. You're not going to feel like this forever. People talk about being paranoid. I don't know if that's what they mean. There's a kind of uh, an alarming feeling, right, where you know that you feel very different than you usually feel and that your sense of reality and your sense of self is altered somewhat um, and your sense of your place in the world. Like, it just is altered. And some people, I think, really love that feeling. Yeah, I I think I was listening to some people talk about this before, and some people like to be scared, to be out of control. I don't have that gene, mm-hmm. but I do have a control gene, but it's sort of a conditioning. I don't have the genes that are related to anxiety and uh, paranoia and, and some of those uh, uh, psychosis. I don't have those. But some people that do, it gets triggered. And it, it can be pretty serious. You know, it's the same thing with psychedelics. If you have a psychedelic experience, you're letting go of control. I have control issues. So for me, the first time going through that journey, being able to let go and say, you know what? I just have to trust the process. It's sort of a, a thing that you do in life altogether. It's either you control the process or you sort of give into the process and let the journey take its course. And if you realize, you know, nothing bad is going to happen to you, you kind of close your eyes and dive in, you can have a really good experience. But if you try to fight that experience, it sort of goes as this sort of hamster wheel. It continues to go and you start freaking yourself out. And that's when, you know, heart rate goes up and all that yeah. stuff, too. So now you're feeling, oh, my God, is there something really wrong with me? Yeah. And there is. Your anxiety causes more anxiety, right? It, it, perpetual. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think when that happens to you, I think the best thing to do is, yeah, to find a place to, to sit down. Like you said, have a glass of water. What I tried to do is, like you said, I tried to just enjoy. I tried to be like, okay, there's all these people that you know, I've written great music being high and, and do great comedy being high and all this stuff. And there, there must be something to this feeling that I'm, you know, I like, I'm trying to embrace it rather than like run from it. You just have to know this is going to go away. Like this is not, you're not going to feel like this forever and maybe enjoy it while you do feel like this. I think that's the fear. It's just very different feeling than feeling drunk, right? It's just a different sensation. And I think it throws you off when you're not used to it. All right. Completely different sensation. You're right. So you have not had the worst experiences being high, but you have had some very interesting experiences being high. Tell me, or just with cannabis, uh, tell me some of the things in your life that have been uh, enhanced by the cannabis experience. 
Well, everything has been enhanced, but I think it's going back to sort of my, my story where I was out on my own and I was, I had an, an experience that really changed my life. I got a job at a record store called Tower Records. I was just getting ready to start college. I started working as a cashier and everybody in the store, I guess I can say this now because the company's out of business, but everybody <laughs> would get high. Right. Everybody would get high, including the manager and everybody. And people would you know, start coming up. People that would shop at the record store. We would smoke on breaks. And was this the Tower Records on Sunset? I'm from Philly. Right? Yeah, this, this is, is back Tower in Philly. Records in Philly. Been there. It was the best job I ever had. $7 an hour. But I got, you know, thousands of CDs and vinyl and yeah. and uh, got to meet a whole bunch of people. So it was a great job. Uh, then people started asking me, hey, can you get weed? Because you smell like weed. So I kind of started. <laughs> <laughs> so I started a business, I guess, to try to help me pay for college. We had the first, I guess, illegal delivery service. People would page me with my beeper. Yes, we had beepers. It was doctors and drug dealers uh, right. that had beepers. I would page my buddy and he would go back to my apartment and he would deliver whatever people would, would ask. So we had this business going for a while. So that was a really interesting experience because it allowed me to get access and start learning about cannabis. And when I started getting different cannabis, I was like, oh, why is this one crystally? Why is this one smelled this way? What is and I started really, really digging into reading as much as I possibly could to find out what all this stuff means and why people have different experiences and why this one is a different uh, strain than another one. That became one of my passions. And in doing so, I was the guy that always had weed. <laughs> and what happened was, Every single time we would be out, and, and I talked about fake ID, but we would go to clubs, and when we go to a club, you know, you get the guy at the door, hey, you know, you want to smoke, and get the guy, guy at the door, hi. Then the DJs were next, and then we would hang out in small clubs where there were bands, and we'd start smoking with the bands. And that was sort of my entry into, okay, now I can have some interesting experiences with people. There was one... This is in 1990, MTV Spring Break, hmm. 1990. So we got into these souped-up Jeeps that we had that we had to stop every hour or two to get gas because the gas gauge wasn't working. And we drove from Philly all the way to, to Daytona. So we were hanging out with the VJs from MTV there because my friend had a press pass. And then uh, we were there to see Stone Temple Pilots and Cypress Hill. And we just got the cassette cypress hill's first album and we were listening to that whole thing all the way down and it was incredible they're a great show so we're walking after the show and we see cypress hill on their balcony in a hotel i think it was be real or maybe it was being and send dog and we see them we're yelling hey you know cypress hill and they're we can barely hear them but we're doing sign language like the international sign for weed where the two fingers go up to your mouth and you're like, do you have any? Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I do. Well, all right, come up. <laughs> like, what room? And they, they with their hands, like, room 10, 24, whatever that room was. So we came up to the room and, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, and it was Send Dog and it was Mugs and uh, Be Real. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, let's smoke a joint. And Mugs like, no, 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 no. We're smoking a blunt. So, <laughs> so you Muggs gotta get your terminology me, right here. Come on. So yeah, Muggs taught me how to roll blunt. It was the first blunt I've ever smoked was with uh, DJ Muggs. 
and we had a great experience and we hung out a couple more times. Then when I came back to Philly, they were on a, a label called Rough House, which was a Philadelphia label back then. I think if I'm not mistaken, Crisscross was on that label. I think maybe the Fugees were signed to that label too. So uh, the guy who ran that label, Chris Schwartz, was like, hey man, I know you guys are big fans. There's a show, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we were, we were able to attend the show for like 50 people, we got to hang out with them again. Which was, uh, I'm not sure Be Real remembers that, but that was one of the highlights. <laughs> I'll ask him next time I see him. All right. Yeah, Rough House had the Fuji, Cypress Hill, Criss Cross, Wyclef, Lauren Hill. That's it. Yep. Beanie Siegel. That's it. I remember Beanie Siegel. Wow. Beanie Siegel. That's quite a, and the goats. Oh, the goats, yeah. The goats are awesome. <laughs> if you know who the goats are, you know, you're a real hip-hop head. That is true. <laughs> so I had, I had an experience with the goats that, uh, they were playing in a place in Philly called Silk City. And Quest Love from uh, The Roots, he would play there once in a while, drum and, you know, that DJs there. So one night the goats were performing there and they brought up Slick Rick. And yeah. Slick Rick, I think, was locked up for a little while. Don't quote me, but we can do our research and no, fact Slick check had, on that. Slick, had, Slick Rick definitely had some uh, issues with the law. There's no question yes. about it. So he got on stage and to play with them, and he goes, no, 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 no. Before I go on, i got to get high. Anybody have a joint? And it just so happens that I was in the front row and uh, had a joint, rarely. So I hand him a joint, so I got a chance to smoke with uh, Slick Rick. That's pretty awesome. Lottie Dottie, we like to party. <laughs> well, I guess my, my one experience smoking with a hip-hop artist uh, was Snoop Dogg. I was doing a story for Stuff Magazine about Snoop Dogg. This is in 2003. So I went to the Dog Pound. Have you been to the Dog Pound, Len? Have you had the, the pleasure of going to the Dog Pound where Snoop lives? I had the pleasure of having a dispensary or a bunch of them called Kush Kingdom. And we're the exclusive home of Corrupt's Kush. Oh, wow. So I got to hang out with the Dog Pound. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, so the Dog Pound was really basically like... A, a house in very eastern LA I think it was in Pomona there was a lot of dogs around I do remember that uh, <laughs> both canines and actually human beings and Snoop pulled up in a purple Porsche I remember he was wearing his Laker jersey he had just been at football practice with his kid and yeah there was a guy whose one job it was to roll Snoop's joints and he rolled he was rolling joints for Snoop all day and he asked me if I you know I was interviewing him for this story and he was sort of sitting was it, around was it joints or blunts they were blunts. I'm sorry. I can't believe it. What am I? <laughs> Jesus. Terminology, John. Come I gotta, on. I got to pull it together here. So he, he rolled me a blunt. I said, what is this? And I'm smoking. He said, oh, that's Gangsta Gumbo. And so I, was, <laughs> I will never forget Gangsta Gumbo. And at the time, Dom Magic Juan was like his best friend. And yeah. Dom Magic Juan is, you know, was kind of like this pimp who drives around in a, in a green Cadillac and wears green suits and has a grill. And he's a total character. But he was... The big expression at the time was chech. So everything they would say, they would say chech. So you'd say like, oh, let me get some of that blunt. Chech. So, so we just kept saying chech, which, which was actually short for, for church. And the other thing that he kept saying, he kept calling me nephew, which I loved. He kept calling me, he, he kept calling me his nephew. You want some nephew instead of cousin? Yeah. I loved it. I was his nephew. But I smoked this gangsta gumbo. And I, that was, you know, luckily I only had one puff. I was able to recover but I do remember feeling pretty good. It wasn't a scary kind of high, and maybe because everybody else in the room, 
and the place was hot, but it was uh, it was memorable, and he gave me a great interview. At one point, I asked him if he was a dog or a cat person. I was so high that I asked him if he was a dog <laughs> or a cat person. <laughs> when you ask Snoop Dogg if he's a dog... <laughs> I would have been funny if he would have said cat. Yeah, yeah. He said, he said no. He said, you're a fool for that. I just remember that was his answer. He said, you're a fool for that. But anyway, he was the greatest, and... It was so fun because the whole interview was really funny and, and he was being such a good sport. And then afterwards, you know, as we were leaving, he said, you're going to take care of me, right? And he gave me a wink. Like, he's like, you know, this is all fun and games, but you're going to take care of me. You're not going to make me look like an idiot. And I said, no, I'll take care of you, Snoop. But it was it was a great, great experience. And I'll never forget as long as I live. And I still have a picture behind me by my turntables uh, of me and Snoop and Don Magic Juan. But if you ever have an uh, opportunity to smoke with a rapper, I, I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Absolutely. But Snoop is hardcore, man. Like, it's one after the other. He had a guy named OG Daddy V who would roll and just make jokes the whole time. He was super funny. And he would and he would roll them like a pack full of blunts. And he would smoke one after the other. As soon as one is done, he lights up another. So if you're going to smoke with a rapper, just get ready. Because <laughs> you may be in for, you know, a pack of blunts by the time you're done. <laughs> for sure. John Small, thank you so much for joining me. I had so much fun. This is kind of what we do when we get together anyway and talk. It's right. so much fun to be together. The shit. And shoot the shit, man. There's nothing serious. I appreciate everybody joining us. Tune in next week. We'll talk about cannabis. We'll talk about music. And we'll talk about business and what all, whatever else we talk whatever about. Whatever else. Yep. All right, y'all. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one toke at a time.